Now she is, Captain. Isn't she a beauty? Yes, she is, Mr. Scott. Is she ready to go? Aisa. She's ready to go to the stars. This is the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. It's mission to seek out new ideas, find new games, and to boldly bring the awesome to your game. Mr. Scott, Warp 9. I Captain. And now, our host. This is Bruce. This is John. This is Trav. This is Pixie. Welcome to the TriTac Games Podcast. Your podcast of getting to the end of a great long journey and finding out that it was all magical. Bippity boppity boo. As opposed to waking up and finding out that someone was taking a shower. Or, or as you, opposed to waking up and finding out your entire adventure was a really twisted dream, then walking out and finding out you're actually there. Yes. <laughs> well, it would be great if that was true, uh, because there's an awful lot of us who wish we could live in a magical world uh, that is, but we do in the sense that the world we live in is a product of our imagination. And if you work hard enough and if you're lucky enough, you might see some of your imagination become real. So, welcome everybody to the TriTech Games podcast, and we are finishing up our adventures in the magical, creating the perfect magic system. Now, I'll bring something from the past, Bruce, that would that would uh, have allowed me to cast my six, my high level and low level spells straight from TriTech Games. The power crystals, my mana crystals. I just chuck them full of power. Now I go in this. You guys can't get spells. I got all the power I want in this crystal. Bang, 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 bang. If that exists, sure. But if the area itself doesn't support the, the, the creation of a magical effect, it doesn't matter how many power crystals you have. I got the Band-Aid on my glasses, I push it up, and I go, but JM, if I can suck mana out of something and put it into a crystal, can I do the exact opposite? Can I put mana back into the land? Can you heal the heal the magic in the land? Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Why not? I like that idea. Unless, of course, the very act of magic is detrimental to further magic. That's all I'm saying. The I was thinking the tactical version of that would be mana bombs. Oh yeah, you got those archers out there, and they're perfectly safe from all these all these fireballs until the mana bomb lands in the midst of and goes pooch. Okay. And now all of a sudden, man, the magic's back. This concept has a lot of possibilities. Mm-hmm. I still don't like it, but, you know, it's... it's, it's, it's. <laughs> <laughs> and that's fair, John. You're allowed not to like it. Okay? You just have to have a good reason why you don't like it. That's all. We, we, we're making the perfect magic system. It's yeah. not going to be perfect for everyone. There's still... Yeah. You can't please all the people all the time. No, this is about creating a tool set... You, you can understand the interdependencies. You can see what's going on. And, and, and this is really something that, that makes a lot more sense if you think of magic as reality warping. 
Well, yeah, as I said, that's how I explain it to the players that I have here. It's like you're just hacking reality on a sub-quantum level. You were doing so, you're hacking like down to the proton, neutron, electron level to achieve an effect that normally would not be possible. And so you're going to have consequences. You're going to have areas that are immune to it. And you can bring up the matrix as an example that... Uh, how did they do it? You couldn't have like ultra high tech in the matrix. You had to have tech that made it where the system didn't see it as a direct aberration. As you you see them use this technology, a lot of that technology in that show looked retro because they were hacking the system to do things to get around what the system and the agents were doing. Basically, they made it look like it wasn't a threat. When Morpheus and company hacked Neo to find out where his body was, you saw all the technology that was there. They were using rotary phones. They were trying to use as much old-seeming tech as possible in order to avoid being noticed by the system and having agents kick in their doors. It's the same thing that's how magic is. You're trying to find a way to sidestep how reality is to make a very extra- extravagant effect. As, as much as I don't like the idea of just using magic will drain the area, I don't have the I, I don't mind the idea of a of a no magic spell. Basically, a spell whose entire purpose is to make it next to impossible to cast magic in an area. Well, Matt, John, you've got to spell magic. At the very least, it targets an object or a person and negates magic for a short I'm time. Thinking, what I'm thinking of is of a longer term, more like, okay, this I'm going to cast it. It's going to be good for an hour. You won't build, there's no magic casting in, in this area. An anti-magic aura or anti-magic field spell, which does that. Anti-magic shell. Sounds familiar. Yeah. Anti-magic shell. Yeah. I didn't want to have to get up and get my core. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, spells below a certain level don't work. Yeah. Yeah, but it's not... It's, it's basically, it's a spell whose entire purpose is to do that. It's basically it's just a continuous counter spell for lower level spells. Yeah. At that point. Because uh, I unfortunately, unlike you, Trav, I, I, well, in my bureau game, now even my bureau game, magic is an entirely separate system from quantum mechanics and all that stuff. It's, it's basically, it's magic. So it's a totally, totally different source, totally different ways of things working. It's it, yes, you are re- warping reality, but you're also maneuvering and maneuvering and twisting and pulling and you know making it look around and look behind itself type well, the, reality. To the okay, John. <laughs> okay, you're familiar with World of Darkness, and yes, years ago we did bringing Bureau Thirteen and World of Darkness together. If BB was sitting in on that episode. <laughs> Yeah. How they do magic in that, from what Perky Goth tells me, because Oz and Perky Goth are huge World of Darkness fans. That's why Perky Goth and I are doing the Doctor Who World of Darkness mashup campaign on Sundays. There is a thing called Paradox. Hmm. Basically, when you cast magic in the World of Darkness, especially the Mage game, you are saying, Hi, I wish to create an effect that is opposite of what 7 billion people think is normal. So you're having to make the various roles and whatnot to say, yes, I want to cast a lightning bolt in a world 
where 7 billion people say, no, you cannot erupt lightning from your hands and shoot it at somebody. And if you fail, there's consequences against you. Yeah. That's how I'm saying reality. You're hacking reality. You are sidestepping with this new system to do something that the world is saying, that's not how, you know, the meme. That's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of tend to view it like I mean, the only example I can come up with that make that makes sense is sort of like the Force, uh, pre pre uh, sequels. Uh, you know, it, it's everywhere, and you if you know what you're doing, you can manipulate it. Oh, kind of like duct tape. It has a light side yeah. and dark side, holds the universe together. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> exactly. I mean, basically, ma- magic See, is. And Ashley's nodding, going, "Oh, you're right. Yeah, I never yeah. thought." Of <laughs> but magic, but. But magic is a sort of uh, along the line of you're manipulating forces that get them to do things. They may be spirits. They may be just simply this force that you can grab and have it do things if you know how to manipulate it properly. So in, in this, in, so in my case, there's none of this quantum mechanics stuff. Though I wouldn't mind running a quantum mechanics magic magic game one time, one of these days where it is in fact just another field of quantum mechanics. <laughs> well, I never thought of it as a field of quantum mechanics. I don't do it like that. I'm just saying you're hacking reality at the subquantum level. Yeah. It's still, I'm... you're manipulating a force that's messing around with reality. Mm-hmm. No, I haven't done, I'm, I, I hate to say this, I'm not smart enough to deal with it on a quantum mechanics level and throw that at my players because with my luck, I'll get that one a-hole player of mine that will shoot it down instantly. This is why I don't have a lot of high science in my campaign, because in my Saturday game, I have one of the co-creators of PenguinCon. Her name is Tracy. She's a registered nurse. I don't do life sciences in my game because she'll just look at me and go, Trav. <laughs> I'm like, crap. Yeah. So, no, Trav, I'm, you're not- you're not seeing me raise my hand up when you said that that a hole who who would shoot your idea about science. No, or or say he doesn't know anything about science. Good. Well, no, <laughs> Gentry, you, me, and him all talked on the phone years ago doing Bureau thirteen d twenty. He was the one that did that about like physics and chemistry. Yeah, and it would be like you know the great Luke Ski in the one skit. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, because we do. We, we, uh, how can I say? My, my this example is from uh, uh, Darth and Droids, where where two of the oh, characters that ages. Oh God! With two with two of the players, one's a geologist. So whenever the GM gets something wrong about geology, he gets corrected, and the other one knows about science. So he was the one who redesigned how lightsabers work. So they would these like blaster boats. You know, it's like, oh, okay, yeah. When you, you people who know more science than you do, and then you give, and they decide to go with it, and they rather say it can't be done. They say, oh, that's how it works. Okay, this is how it really you should work, and then give you all the scientific, you know, mumble jumbo on how and how and why it should work. And you guy goes to Jim, going, ah. yeah. <laughs> all right, moving on to number seven. Ooh, here's a seven. Are there moral aspects to spells? Are some spells evil or good? You know, and it doesn't matter how you use them. They just are. Oh, wait a minute. We had a look here from Ashley. Please chime in. Oh, you have that look on your face. You want to say something? Go ahead. 
Well, I mean, there there are uh, magic spells involving, like, you know, bringing up the dead. Oh, that. so you're saying necromancy is inherently evil? Yes. Okay. Usually, yes. And heal, well, healing <laughs> is not necessarily good. I would say, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll extrapolate on what Ashley was saying here. There are, we'll say that there are good and evil for the purposes of, let's say we have a demon casting a spell. Mm -hmm. By a demon's very inherent nature, they are evil beings. Yeah. Now I come up and I have an angel come up and throw a spell against, a counter spell. Hi, good and evil. They cancel each other out, counter spelling. In fact, it could be the exact same spell. Yeah, exactly, but just because mm -hmm. of their ethical and moral bases, they they just, and it's, you know, white noise. So, here, give me your scenario, working with the angel. So, it's the field of battle, the sides of good have fallen, the angel comes down and says, arise warriors and fight again. Is that evil? <laughs> an angel well first of all an angel's not going to revive corpses they're going to bring souls down that's more a plot element yeah but still it's it's he's either raising the dead and having go on or oh just make it said angel it's it you were talking valhalla they're dead and now you're bringing in you're bringing them back to fight for you all those warriors thing of raise the dead versus resurrection yeah. Well, raising okay. Well, if you want to get into D &D, <laughs> raise the dead, resurrection. Raising the dead is you're bringing back. Yeah, you're alive. You've got one hit point per hit die that yeah. you cast. If you're a ninth level caster, your guy that you just raise gets nine hit yeah. points. Resurrection, and this... you are totally whole, totally healed. No post illnesses, mm -hmm. no ability drain or damage. You are perfectly healthy. Yeah, that's what resurrection is. Yeah. Raised but, dead is well, you're but, breathing. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, he doesn't want to. You know, all those souls have gone to heaven. He doesn't want to bring them back. He just wants their bodies. That's necromancy. Then you're mm -hmm, animating yeah. <laughs> soulless corpses. Hi, this is the Walking Dead via magic. So, so Ashley uh, uh, thinks that uh, uh, any necromatic spell is therefore evil. Is that right? Yeah. Yes, and there is phatic nodding, which does not work in an audio. Yeah, meeting. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> As an example from D and D, um, cause light wounds. Okay, you cast that on a person, and that person takes damage. You cast that on an undead, and they heal. But it's still evil. It, it, it's still evil because its source or the intent of it is to cause harm, yet you're casting it on something that actually can gain a benefit from it. It doesn't change the nature of the spell. Is it evil because it's inherently evil, or is it evil because of your intent? Exactly. Is Are there spells that are inherently evil? The reason why I have... You know, I, I have a zombie butler because he's been in the family for years, literally. You know, and we don't well, want to get... The, well, you, well, you know what the good thing about necromancy is? It gives clarity and meaning to raising a family. Yeah. 
Right. But back to the question. Okay. Tritac and Bureau 13 have the idea that there are, that there is black magic and there is white magic and there is gray magic. And there are spells that fall into the different categories. It doesn't say how you use them. It says that's what they are. And even if you somehow can find a way of using them to, to someone's benefit, okay, it doesn't change the fact you just cast an evil spell. So is that a good idea or is that a bad idea? I, I, you, know, I, you know, I'm in the nuclear scientist aspect. Is It's a tool. There's no good. It's not good. It's not evil. It's just whatever you purpose you put it to. Yeah. Well, that's very 20th century, John. Uh, it's very situational ethics. But it, uh, historically, it, it doesn't ring very true. Mm. It's also cultural. If you're playing medieval fantasy, John, that maybe that's not the way you want to go. But then again, let's look at, okay, we're talking medieval fantasy. Aragon and the dead warriors who help help him take down the um, the armies, you know, Sauron's armies. Yeah. Yeah? What about it? Using the dead. Yeah, that's evil. But for the purpose of fighting evil. You know, was it evil? No. It, 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 he didn't raise them anyway. He just no, he, disturbed he, them and, and they woke up. Well, he also was the heir, he was Isildur's heir, and and therefore he basically he had the debt, he had to pay off. You you used abominations to fight abominations is still abomination. That's fighting fire with fire, but it's still fire. <laughs> yeah, but it's a lot of fire. Fighting evil with evil is still evil. But they weren't technically evil. They're just the fallen dead who never got they're chance. They're not evil. They're misunderstood. Good, yeah. <laughs> they're and, just and, the misunderstood creatures. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of these kinds of designations, by the way, come from where the magic comes from. Okay. So, for example, is if your source of magic is a demon, you know, cursed by God for his crimes. No matter what spells he gives you, they're all basically tainted by who he is and what he's done. And therefore, no even if he gives you resurrection, it's still evil because he's evil. Yeah, if you're dealing with a, with a strict, strictly you know medieval society, which everyone says it's black and white. Nah, no, if you if you read the histories, it's still got it's still got lots of gray in it. But yeah. Oh. Don't beg the question, John. No, not begging it, but it's, but yes. But if you're looking at it from the point of view of the people who matter, that it is there are there are black and white aspects of things. So yeah, some 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 uses in some cultures just using magic. Period is evil. Doesn't matter what you. It doesn't matter if it, if it sources good or evil. You're using magic. That's wrong. That is absolutely right. But we're going a little beyond that and saying not just. Spellcasting, you know, mage magic is evil. Clerical magic is good. You know, we have that too in, in a number of campaigns that are uh, uh, commercially available. Hey, the second world setting. And Josie and I, well, yeah, Josie would know this better because she had Kurotu. The Central Empire 
and this will harken back to the episodes we did on Bureau 13, The Second World, the Central Empire, because of the consortium in 1923 on The Second World, they branded arcane magic as a bad thing because it created the mountains of glass and the waste. But the Central Empire had no problem with divine magic because, well, it helped them out. Good and evil, technically, even in real life, are subjective terms. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about necrom necromancy until you start looking at Egyptian beliefs and so forth. And yeah, all those mummies are basically being raised and you know living their lives and a lot of stuff. I mean, uh, there's several cultures where it would, yeah, it would, it's completely proper to actually have you know the the dead serving you. So it it's, it is a cultural setting. Uh, so what's moral? Uh, it's your it's your setting. So yeah. you're saying, your setting will set the the what what is good and what's bad. You may be a setting where where uh, necromancers are the nice people because they just raise the dead. The trouble with the healers, they need blood to heal blood, you know, like to heal like, and therefore they have to sacrifice something. So they're busy killing chickens and pigs and whatever to heal wounds, and they need blood. They need blood to to heal wounds, and therefore they're killing a lot of things. All right, following what you're just saying, John. Thomas Covenant, okay, the series, Blood Magic. No matter what you use the blood magic for, and no matter how much good you do with it, it, it basically corrupts the land around you. Plants don't grow right anymore. People, you know, have, you know, their babies come out with malformations. Bad things happen because you're using blood magic, and that's not the right kind of magic. So that, that's why the question comes up. Is it a good idea? I mean, yes, I think that something like this would be very much setting dependent, you know, how you want to do it. But the question is, including it in the game, is it a good thing or a bad thing? Do, you know, do we want, do we, in your perfect magic system, is it, is it okay to say some spells are just wrong? That's a good question. Considering that I'm running a game this weekend called Magic, calling Magic Police, um, <laughs> yeah, where there is illicit magic, but it's usually of the unlicensed kind, or you know, where you haven't got permission from the right people. Then, then becomes a legal issue rather than a moral issue. But then there are things people use magic for that is immoral. But if you're using it the right way, then it's not immoral. Unfortunately, that's very 20th century, uh, 21st century view. Yeah. You know, your your chaotic good elves are pretty much going to always say that any use of charm is bad. Mm -hmm. Even if you're using it to protect somebody from themselves. Yep. Oh, yeah, because you're inhibiting free will by using a charm spell. Exactly. Exactly. Even if that person chooses to cause harm. And all charm spells do is they make, they make you see... They make the, the recipients see you in the most, in the best light for the moment. Don't even get an elf started on, like, Dominate Monster. Oh, that'll send them into just a whole yeah. rage there. Yeah. See, to them, those spells are evil no matter what. Oh, I never really thought of that. Chaotic good that a charm spell basically chips away at free will. This is why they're 90% resistant to it. Oh, yeah. elves have bonuses against enchantment? Oh, yeah. I mean, a charm and domination, sure they do. Oh, okay. In D&D. &D. Hold person? 
I'm not sure about hold person, but yeah. Hold person is more physical locking yeah. the form in place than mind but, controlling you. Yeah, so so uh, well, speaking of mind controlling, do you have resistance against mind read any mind reading spells or things like that? <gasps> but anyway, said, we're tangenting again. No, no, you're not because see, some people would consider um, invasion of privacy through a spell like ESP to be absolutely you know un- uh, undefendable. And you know you're you're basically going into my sanct holiest of holies, my own mind, and you're and and you're doing stuff, you know. So you know I I'm defenseless, okay? You know I I you, you can do whatever you want to. You can claim that you see this in my mind, and who can who can you know who who can say that you're lying, you know? Or I don't want you know I've been keeping that piece of information for a good reason, and now you're going to use it against me or against the people that I love. That's an evil spell. Yeah. Then the lawful good paladin says, but it's the only way to know the truth. Yeah, and, and this is truth. You can't handle the truth. <laughs> good, we've already determined that good and evil are pretty much a subjective. No, again, that's a nice 20th century point of view, but it certainly wasn't true in in uh, most of human history. A lot of it has been, has been subjective because history is written by the winners, but that's another subject entirely. <laughs> I was saying... In, most of it probably is subjective, but there are some aspects of magic that are just inherently ick, for lack of a better term, ick. I mean, there are people right now that would say that if you eat meat, you're basically committing murder. So therefore, any spell that involves an animal sacrifice, whether it's divination or anything else, those spells are now evil because killing is evil. Right, but that's where you get, that's where you get into the subjective cultural aspect. Um, they don't see it as cultural. They see it as philosophical. All life is from the gods. Therefore, no one has the right to take it away. I see what Josie's trying to say. Cultural as far as the yeah. vegan culture, or and not, and we're not we're not crapping on vegans. Not, I'm, not, I'm not I'm not dashing anything like that. I'm saying it's cultural as in their belief system. Yes, that's what I was getting at. You are confusing, and I. No, 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 Josie, Josie, it's all good. Josie, it's all good. We get, we got it. We understand. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. then you could also have the the ones where, by their very nature, that uh, like ones that are derived off of well, let's say positive and negative energy. By their very nature, they are like that. Yeah, yeah. If like you next- don't inflict spells, right? Yeah, it, it, like you- a certain type of energy. So no matter the purpose, that type of energy is still affecting the area around it. Yeah. I mean, maybe may the reason why necromagic spells are evil is not because you're, you're, you're animating the dead. If you're just puppeting them, that'd be one thing. If it, re- if it requires you to put something inside the, the body to make it operate, what are you putting in there? What's in there to make that body work? Negative Do we know- energy. 
could it be a spirit that you just simply snatched a free-flowing spirit and you just shoved it in there? And here you go, run this body for me. Is that, you know, that itself would be uh, considered immoral and evil. If you are forcing a spirit to work against its will to animate a body for your use, that would be considered evil because yep. you are restricting that spirit's free will and subverting it to your own use. It doesn't even have to be a matter of free will, Trav. It could be, let's say the spirit comes from any animal that's died, okay? And But instead of that spirit, therefore, going into the cycle to be reborn as a new creature, okay, let's say spirit, you know, uh, spiritual energy is limited, okay, you now have taken it and trapped it inside this abomination, and it's now, now it's been broken out of the... The, the proper cycle. I, I, can, I can see this animal soul waking up and realizing it as, as it has very limited cognizance and movement. Who put me in this human body crap? What's this human body crap here I'm doing, man? You've basically taken the natural order of the world and written it into shreds. Yeah, you, 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 have, you have insulted the natural order. Yeah. yeah. I would say any spell that's powered by taking something from another person with or without their permission is usually, uh, I would consider, be an immoral uh, act. So if you, you know, if you need a little soul energy for somebody, uh, I'm sorry, you're taking bits of their soul to do this thing. That's not good. Yeah. No, it's not. That's why you. That's when you end up with people that are going completely crazy. And if your game includes the idea that magic is actually coming from entrapped souls, whether it's magic items or other things like that, that's how you make them, is you take a, a living soul and you enchant it into an item to provide the magic that it needs in order to operate. Instead of that soul going on to its next life or to heaven or something like that, you could... Even if it's a you know a wand of healing or or anything else, you could ver you could claim that that is an evil act. That is an evil spell. Enchantment is evil. Mm -hmm. It's the devil. Yeah. yeah. Well, there my, well, there goes my entire enchanting skill tree. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> or you just have to basically embrace the madness and say, yeah, okay, I'm evil. So, you know. Pass me the ketchup. That's right. Well, no one said. No one said that. No one said my particular version of the Dragonborn was sin. Sin. It was sin. <laughs> yeah. So, no, so how do you, was sin. <laughs> so how do you feel, Sir Ron? Oh. <laughs> that guy was. Hey, his one ring had a bit of him in it. And so your you, that sword you made has a bit. You want a you want a better example of the effects that stuff can have, Voldemort. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when I found what his last whole cross was. Yeah. Yep. And that even after that, he made another one. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. They they bring her back. She saves the world. But I was in heaven. Don't you understand? I was happy, and you brought me back here. And that did actually break the natural cycle of that world. I'm, I'm not that up on the Buffy verse that much, but I, it definitely was. It really screwed her up. 
Well, it, it didn't just screw her up. When they brought her back, there's only, there's only supposed to be one Slayer at a time. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. The, the whole, the whole, uh, <laughs> poor Faith. <laughs> Doomed from the start. Yes. Okay, let, let's see here. Um, number, well, you have two eights here. Number eight, this is the familiar mage point here. Oh, can we not? I thought we did that one already. No, we didn't talk about what happens when a familiar dies. Or when a mage dies. Yeah, we didn't talk about that. I don't want to talk about all the other stuff, but when a, when a familiar bites it, you know, um, we talked about maybe the, the familiar being a whole crux for the mage and the mage being a whole crux for the... But let's say that doesn't happen. Let's say that, that uh, they, they aren't. When a familiar dies... Is there is there a negative effect on? Do you think there should be a negative effect on the mage? Ooh, and Josie is intimately qualified for this. Her playing the bureau's first witch, Sam Poole, and U.S. Leo. Simplest answer, yes. And what do you think it should be? Let's say Leo dies. I would say one point of Condrain. Because you two shared life force and he's dead, it's a permanent effect. Now I don't know what the rules are for the witches in Pathfinder, but if for making the per this perfect magic system, I would say yeah, you lost a bit of, the bit of life that you invested in your familiar to give it sentience, quote unquote. Mm. Does that seem fair? I think in original D and D, whatever hit points the familiar gave you, you permanently lost them. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That that sounds about right. Yes. Yeah. But how would we? Uh, you you would lose them, and I don't know. I'm I'm just thinking what would happen when you get a new familiar after that. Well, hmm. well, getting a familiar for this, I would say that every time you're getting a familiar, you as part of the very part of investing this familiar with a bit of your sentience, it's a bit of your life force. You risk that familiar dying and losing that life force. So, one, you're going to protect that familiar to make sure you don't lose that life force. And two, if you do, you're making a conscious choice of risking further life force in replacing that familiar. Mm -hmm. Remember again, this, remember, again, this is magic. These are forces you're not supposed to be dealing with. But if you want that higher power, you're going to pay some prices. Yeah. So and at a point, you may not be able to do so anymore, so you may not have a familiar. That's right, that. exactly. Yeah. All right. So, Travis, it sounds like you're saying you think there should be a permanent negative effect if that happens. Yeah, I mean, not crippling or debilitating but as i said a point of con drain or a permanent loss of hit points you invested in something and through whatever misfortune you lost that hit point though that that life force permanently excuse me Ooh. yeah it's Good. a price you pay for having this familiar which allows you and it extra abilities yeah i've 
I've never really used familiars that much, except you know. But uh, when I've done them, I typically have never gave them more than normal lifespan. So, you know, as a GM, I'm you know you're you 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 know Bob the Mayfly is getting toward the end of his day. What's going to happen? You know, you know, not being light light of it, but you know, if you say you have a black cat, you got twelve, you know, you got twelve years, fifteen years maybe on that cat before he passes on. If he passes on from natural causes, you still lose that. What you guys are saying, the answer is yes. So I'm thinking there should be a way to retire him. There should be a, a way for a witch or whatever to retire their familiar so they're so that they can go to rest peacefully. Well, you the know. thing is, John, if you want to do that, yeah. If you want to do that, where well, if it dies from old age, you don't have that. Well, then it no longer is your familiar. If you're retiring it, you're retiring it entirely. It becomes a normal cat again. Basically, yeah. what what you're getting at is a way of basically reclaiming that bit yes. of, of whatever you did to give it its sentience yeah. as familiar. Yeah, reclaiming that bit. Mm-hmm. And basically severing the familiar bond. Yeah, it's also a way for you to divorce yourself from a familiar that's become disabled due to mischance. Yeah. Combat, other things. Yeah. I suppose or... that that could work. Yeah. I mean, you're in the battlefield and 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 Mitzi the cat is lying there with it with an arrow through her and she's still alive but she's not for very long and and the healer is off healing other people and you only got one one chance at it and you're going to see about you know well putting Mitzi to sleep and maybe not taking the hit when 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 she passes on it may be another one of these cases where you have to do a little ritual to send her on to the to the to the happy ha, happy liver box in the sky <laughs> see i i wouldn't want that because uh, if you're gonna if, if, if this is part of the game that if you lose your familiar you take you take some kind of a hit some you know then i think it should happen okay now on the other hand if you if you have a game that's very much steeped in role playing mm-hmm. losing a familiar is like losing a spouse yes Okay, and there's a there could be some extreme results as a result of that. You can have, you know, from psychological effects, depressed casting. You can have mental instability. You can have, um, you know, a, a lack of drive. I would have I would have like a decrease in maybe a hit to your saving throws. Yeah. Well, yeah, and and see, and and the Bureau Thirteen, or I should say, the Tritec system, major loss to your uh, to your mental stability. See, I, I would tend to go for the role playing thing, where yes, if he does get ki- you know killed outright, and there's nothing you can do to to retire it properly, yeah, you're gonna take I a hit. I would agree with I would agree with that. The the, yeah. the abrupt death should cause a backlash, but if yeah, it's something you know you can't stop. You should have the opportunity to gently separate the two, basically. And it's, and it's a great role-playing point in time where you're busy talking to Mitzi and explained what's going to happen. And Mitzi goes, yeah, it's okay. I had a good run. You know, and everyone gets soppy-eyed and tired. Eyes start running at the scene, you know. <laughs> but no one ever uses my pillow. <laughs> Old cheesy, overdone anime bitch. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, because yeah. Josie's character, Josie's character, Sam Poole, has Leonidas, the cat familiar, which we've had fun running Leo. Yeah. We've had a lot of fun because I get to play Leo and I'm I'm just a jerk. I'm like, just make me you're gonna mash up another scroll and make me eat it so you can gain this spell. Sam now has to travel via boots of teleport to eighteen ninety San Francisco and get the best tuna money can buy. It's like, no, you're mixing that scroll in with some good tuna. You wanna learn this spell, you're gonna pay for it. <laughs> Leo's a bit of a jerk. <laughs> Just say He's a cat. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. And no, I'm not crapping on our cat owning listeners, but yeah. No, not not intending to crap on anybody, but most of them probably don't know what cats are. Yes, cats have owners, or was it dogs have owners? Cats dogs have owners. Staff. Cats have staff. <laughs> I'm not saying the other thing because Bruce will have to edit it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't want to do that. Now, from the other point, from the other end, you know, the mage snuffs it. What happens to his familiar? Exactly. Yeah. Same thing, man. That familiar, he loses his sentience. He becomes a cat again. Well, or perhaps, uh, or if it, if it is a hit point, saying, unfortunately, it goes both ways. So you take a little hit, po- hit point loss from losing your familiar. He takes a similar hit point loss from only scale it for humans. Well, no, no, John, what it is for, okay, for the OGO rules for familiars, yeah. your familiar ends up gaining, it. let's say a normal cat has, oh, six hit points. If you're a wizard or a sorcerer and you take a cat on as a familiar, the, any familiar gains half oh. your hit points. Okay. So if you've got a 50 hit point 10th level wizard, your cat has 25 hit points. Do you know what type of damage you would have to do to a cat with 25 hit points to kill it? You're filling this thing full with bullets and they're going, what the cat's not done? Which Josie and I have talked about this. That cat goes back down to six hit points. It becomes a normal cat, normal stats. It has maybe very fleeting memories of having a very adventurous life, but it because now it is a normal cat's mind again, it can't comprehend that, yeah, I was talking with this human and we understood each other and I carried spells and normal injuries didn't affect me. And yeah, oh, wait, was that, did it happen? I don't remember now. The thing yeah. is, I, I'm a, or they just lay down and starve themselves to death. Well, there could be the depression too. The cat might go yeah. back to the normal cat and just that deep emotional bond it had with its master. Yeah, it just the animal would just wither away. And you no. know, animals are they don't like to die around other people. They'll crawl off somewhere and die. Because I'm an adventurous GM, I would have the the you know the mage the character gets killed, bang, you know the the the, the familiar takes a hit. Then I go, now you have an option. You can up a new character, or we look at the familiar. It's all it's taken was a hit. It's still magical. You want to play your familiar? So you're saying something like. Yeah. The cat somehow gains a little more sentience, like a bit of the soul of the master, and now it's by mm-hmm. it's basically awakened as per the spell. Could be. Okay. 
or the fact that becoming a familiar makes him, uh, you know, I'm thinking of thinking of um, was it Gigi or uh, from from uh, from uh, Kiki's delivery service? Yeah, 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 the kitten, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the cat. Yeah, he basically had normal conversations. He was a cat, but he still had normal conversations with with, with Kiki. Okay. Well, you have a cat now who basically goes, "Ah, oh, crap," or more like, "Ow, ah, oh, crap." Okay. <laughs> now I gotta find a new master. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we pretty much determined that, yeah. that uh, between a mage and a familiar, whenever one dies, the other is going to take some type of hit. Oh yeah. It's, yeah. Unless they unless they can unless they can amicably separate somehow, yeah. Oh no, you can do that from the rules that I've seen in Pathfinder. You can separate from your familiar, but you mm -hmm. can't gain another one for like a year and a day. Yeah, yeah, and then you got to do a ritual that costs gold pieces to bond with another familiar. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's yes. see. Next one: Can spellcasters chain cast spells? If so. Now, we already answered that question, so drop down to the last one. Okay, if you chain cast and one of the casters doesn't have any spell points, can the other casters provide the missing points? Uh, I don't see why not. Yeah. I mean, no. you're going to be given that one that one caster kind of stink eye for like, yeah, thanks a lot for volunteering and making us pay. You know, that's like the guy that mooches off you at a group meal. Or this guy looks at you and says, you know, I, I spent those points on taking out that guy, that guy, that guy, that guy, and that guy. So thank me for at least knowing the spell. Wow. <laughs> what a mess. <laughs> if this was, a, let's say, a game where the only limitation was how many points do you have. Mm -hmm. Okay, then... So, you know, another caster could basically, in a training session, instead of you running out of points after, like, two castings, they could keep you going so you could actually, you know, cast the rest of the day and get some good practice in. Yeah. I could see it used like that. Yeah. They, they hand you the can of Red Bull and say, get, go, get, get going. You know? <laughs> or if, for some reason, you were casting a spell that was holding up protection of some kind that was keeping, you know, the, uh, the dam from coming in. And, and, and it basically we were trying, if the spell ends, then, you know, something bad happens. Well, the other spellcaster is able to keep feeding you points so you can keep maintaining the spell. Well, mm. because like, if you're in like in a solid vacuum and somebody managed to cast a bubble of air around everybody, you don't really want to have to go and say, okay, well, this is going to go down, but I'll ca next round I'll recast that spell. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, if you're in a spell point, if you're in a spell point system, there should be a way to sh to share power. Now, most games don't let you do that, unfortunately. But you know, hey, in a perfect system, yeah, if you got spell points, you should be able to. Maybe you have to physically touch them to do it too. So you may actually have to be in physical contact to do a transfer. And there might be a, a two for one kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, or or you may. Here's where the cost comes from. You gotta cast a spell to do it. So to give them give them points, you gotta cast a spell, which costs points. You know, the death spiral starts happening at that point. You know, as you start, as you as you're busy, you know, spending points to give points. Yeah, but that's okay because you know, like I said, instead of it actually 
appearing as a duplicate spell, you just simply add on to the other person's spell. Yeah. So again, like you've got the two, you know, the guy basically trying to drill a hole through the wall, or you know, two guys are trying to knock down the the bad guy's uh, uh, shield, and if you give him a moment of respite, he's going to regenerate. So no, you don't want to do that. So you just keep piling it on, piling it on, and you don't try to, you know, multiple cast, you know. And if you fail, okay, if he has points still. Then you he he can continue to use his own points, but then if you succeed, then you basically are providing the points instead, so that person continues to cast, you know, uh, without costing because you're providing the points, and then when it's all over and done with, that person who might be the better spellcaster uh, ends up having those spells available, those points available to them for further stuff. It sounds like the very the first two spells any any master would teach his apprentice is read magic. Lend magic. Sure, that would if you could do that, that would make perfect sense. Yeah, if unless it was just innate into the spell casting. Yeah, I I I always want to, I always want to have a chance of failure, so I would actually have it be an actual spell a spell ability, or at least an ability. Maybe it's an ability inherent toward mages. That is, it's not a spell. You, it's not a spell per se, but it is something you it takes a spellcraft or spellcasting role to actually do to lend. You just can't just say I'm lending. No, you have to physically will yourself to lend those points. Okay. And that requires basically so all the people who are lending. It's a full round action. You can't yep. do anything else. You are fully intently concentrating on giving this energy over to help this other person. It's okay. kind of like the willing participant in the Palladium system. The mm-hmm. un, the willing participants don't they can donate up to 70% of their PPE for mm-hmm. the casting of a spell. Yep. And it r- ranges touch. I mean literally you you're going to have to touch the guy to do it. Yeah. Or all linked like holding <laughs> hands or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, could be, could not, you know, could be within your Carillion aura, you know, whatever you want to call. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it could be that, you know, we, we, I don't want to touch him. Why? He's on fire. That's why I want to touch him. Suck <laughs> <laughs> it up, you big baby. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm healing you, but you're on fire. I don't want to burn my palm. Yeah. <laughs> or what's that one phrase? It's called splash damage, a big baby. You either suck it up or go cry to the cleric. <laughs> uh, oh, uh, oh, that's a T-shirt. Are you kidding? <laughs> all right, and and like when I I wrote it, I mean, I was basically talking about chain casting, so I was actually talking about two people casting the same spell, and and the idea was is that one of the people doesn't have any points to cast it, and but uh, the other one does, so this would allow the the one person to cast the spell for whatever reason, you know, they're in a better position for doing it. They've got like the, they've got the armor of uh, fireproofness. And so they're standing up there in harm's way and you're down below casting the spell because you don't have that protection. I mean, there's all kinds of reasons why you'd want that person to be doing the casting rather than you doing the casting. Or it's flat out not on your list, but it's on theirs. Yeah, but this this way, you know, even if they don't have the points, you can provide it to them, and 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 the spell gets to go off. You know, assuming of course that every, 
that all the requirements are met, either spellcasting role or whatever. And it also could be one of those one of those abilities where, okay, we don't have to do it actually while he's casting. We just got to do it beforehand so we can come up and all go dump, dump, dump until he's just brimming with power. Yeah, that's not really the same thing. That's really talking more about just doing a, a magic tap or something. And yeah, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna top you off right here, you know. <laughs> but like I said, is it if you got somebody who's got like you know a lot of magical protections, but they don't have a whole lot of power, and you don't have a whole lot of protections, but you have a ton of power. You know, just depending upon how your magic system and and, and your and the kind of things you've concentrated on, it would be really great if you could feed them some power so they could do what they need to do. And yeah, well, the tanks are out there busy sucking up damage and trying to take down the big bad. <laughs> right. I mean, if you have a magic, if you have a minor magical ability but a lot of defense, you know, keeping that minor ability going might make all the difference in the world. You know, it's. Um, I've seen big bad guys get taken down by something as simple as a, a minor hit point drain. If the combat runs on long enough, they're toast. Yeah. So, so here, here's the thought that crossed my mind. Because, you know, depending on how your magic system works, because mine works off of spirits and so forth, uh, my, my, my idea of how magic operates um, that sort of means that clerical magic kind of works the same way, honestly, but instead you're getting, you're getting power from one spirit, your god, to do, to do various things. I'm going, are they different systems, or can I come up to a guy, the mage who's casting, and go, oh lord, let me lend some power. Well, no, that's, that's where you have, that, that's one of those decisions that has to be made uh, a priori. Yeah, can you get you know because you can bless them, and that actually in a way gives them at least a better casting ability and the system, yeah, or gives them some more protection, you know, extra protection. But still, yeah, there's various things, you know. There's even uh, in uh, Savage Worlds, you actually can boost your you can boost your abilities, you can boost any trait. Guess what power points are? Their trait. Yeah, so you can actually boost their power points. You know, so that technically is what you're doing. You are giving them a boost. Yeah, so I, I, I imagine, yeah, it, it's... And then, of course, you have to ask yourself, is magic inherent to everybody, or is this, does everyone have some mana in them? Can, and then can you draw that mana from them? So the mundane, the people who don't do magic, they still get magic in them. They just can't use it. But I can. There's some really dark stories involving that. <laughs> I mean, that's one of the reasons for necromancy and uh, Larry Nevins when the magic went away. That's where all the magic is. In the people. <laughs> uh-huh. We just got to get it out. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to be able to do magic. The only way to get the magic is to uh, do nec necromag magic. <laughs> well, again, that, that was uh, Thomas Covenant. Blood magic came out of people. They'd cut themselves and they'd do even minor spells, but the problem was is that it, it it caused damage to the world, you know, because that magic was was corrupting and it it, it damaged the life the, the 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 process of life in the area, 
And so even though it was a benefit, you know, they were able to protect themselves from monsters and they were able to heal each other and they were able to do all kinds of things. Ultimately, they ended up destroying their civilization. Yeah. Thanks, everybody, for helping me get through the rest of these questions. I, this is, after listening to everything, this is all that I was able to come up with. So I'd say we're pretty, as, 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 as Blix would say, you know, we've stuck, you know, we stuck a fork in it. We've killed the subject, yes. We have driven a stick into its heart. We cut its head off and bit, stuffed it with garlic and salt and buried it at the crossroads. Wow. <laughs> so all this left now is to, is to actually take all this information that we've been amassing over the past year and turn it into some to a product. So that's that's pretty much my next big goal after I do a few things for uh, Melody. Nope, nope, I'm gone. Um, nope. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? Is your department? <laughs> I'm not asking you to do it. This is over. I'm done with this subject. <laughs> <laughs> Now you you need about another another ten years of seasoning there, Josie. <laughs> and several several dozen boxes of coffee. Seasoning, a little bit of marinade. All right. Yeah. You know the marinating is I have a problem with because you know that's usually involves sticking stuff into you and stuff. You know. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear God. Why aren't I sleeping and why isn't it tomorrow morning? Look, just send me a few boxes of those little Keurig cups. I'm good. <laughs> she'll just she'll just slam them whole. Forget the water. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not quite to that level yet. All right. All right. Well, thank you everyone who's been listening to us, especially those who have been with us from February listening to this, and we hope that we have been able to provide you with good ideas and entertain you and all the things and bring the awesome, help you at least get a few ideas about bringing the awesome to your game because that's what the TriTech podcast is all about. And we will have more for you next week. But until then, this is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there. So go explore them. This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. This is Blix. Don't hate the game, hate the players. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. This is Richard Tahoka. Wait till you see what's coming next. Yo, brothers. This was the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and sucker, you best attribute this to the folks at TriTech Games. And if you don't, we'll be having your sorry butts, because we're some bad mothers. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org, colon 8027.